Hello, and welcome to Booze and the Bible, a podcast of the sanctuary where we discuss the good book and good booze. And now, here are the hosts of Booze and the Bible, Dan Robb and Mark Wadsworth. Welcome, everyone. I'm Dan Robb. I'm the theologian, and he is Mark Wadsworth, our hardworking brewmaster. <laughs> this is our uh, inaugural podcast. We sample beers and bourbons and give our expert takes. <laughs> Now, these are honest takes because no booze company would consider sponsoring us. Uh, Mark, you've been brewing beer for quite a while. Please tell our audience um, about your experience in making brew. Well, Dan, I, I started out brewing out of necessity. My favorite beer of all time, which is Fuller's ESB, it's an outstanding British real ale. It became impossible for me to find it in keg form. I whined on my poor wife, and she told me, well, go brew this stuff yourself. But I said, oh, no, 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 no. You know, I'm a scientist. And it <laughs> would drive me crazy unless I could be sure to reproduce the same stuff time after time. So my dear wife bought me a professional prototype brewing system for our 10th anniversary and to solve that problem. It's the same sort of system that professional craft brewers use to develop new beers. She did this for me because she loves me, but... Also because she was really tired of my whining. <laughs> that was 13 years ago, and it's been a long but productive road. Awesome. So what is your biggest struggle in learning how to brew? My biggest struggle in learning to brew was uh, that I tackled a relatively complex beer as my first target. Now, by complex, I don't mean that it's difficult necessarily. It's just that there's a lot of nuances in the flavor of the beer. So I was trying to duplicate the Fuller's ESB recipe from information that was available then on the Internet. And at that time, it was a real challenge. There were lots of swings and misses, and it took a, it took a while. You know, It was a struggle. It took about a year, but I finally did make a respectable version of the beer. My Fuller's ESB clone is still not as good as what Fuller's produces, but then I can't find it anywhere now. So you know what? It, it'll do. <laughs> yeah. Was that back in the days of uh, dial-up? A little little beyond that, but okay. yeah, not too far. Okay. Trying to find that good uh, connection there. Well, hey, you know what? You gave it a good try there, trying to hit a home run on your first at-bat, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's all right if you can double. That's that's okay, too. Uh, all right, so what beers are we sampling today, or beer, I should say? Well, Dan, uh, today we have a beer that's called Schmittelfest. It's from the Thirsty Planet Brewing Company in uh, Central Texas. You're not going to ask me to spell that, are you? I can't spell okay, it Okay, good deal. <laughs> <laughs> so it's, uh, the style's a Martzen, which uh, our listeners probably know. That's kind of typically known as an Oktoberfest beer. So it's, a, it's an amber beer. I picked this because we could find uh, reviews of it on Beer Advocate which means that the beer is available outside of the local area. And it's got a alcohol by volume rating of 6%. And it scored 85 on Beer Advocate, which means uh, the folks said it was very good. So let's get around to uh, a glass of this beer. Hang on a second. <laughs> yes! Oh, yes! Woo-hoo! Well, we're drinking... 
Thirsty Goat Smittlefest. And I got to tell you, it's it's not a bad beer. It's really good. Yeah, Dan, for a Martzen, Martzen's one of my one of my favorite beer styles, and this one's pretty darn good. It's not my not my absolute favorite, but I'd certainly drink it in a in a pinch, no problem. Yeah, and that's one of those things you know, we were talking before, just about how some beers you drink like a rogue hazelnut nectar, and by the time you get you know you sample it and you think, oh, this is it's not that bad, and then you get about midway to almost done with it, and you think, I, I don't even know if I can finish this because uh, of the taste, you know. But this this has a rich taste, and you can definitely taste the malt as well. Yeah, there's a real heavy malt backbone in this beer, and the uh, the nutmeg and cinnamon and clove that they've added to it uh, certainly highlights that. So this is, a, even though it's a, a light beer, it's still very heavy in flavor, and it's probably one of those like you were talking about with the rogue hazelnut that you know you'd, you'd enjoy one, but maybe you wouldn't want two of them. Um, right. It's it's not a bad beer to supplement if, God forbid, you had to drink a light beer on a college football Saturday afternoon, right? Right. <laughs> yeah. Good alternative. So overall, I give it a thumbs up. How about you? I do too. It's it's a worthy beer to. You know, whether you go to a sports bar or you just see a six-pack, you know, whatever your grocery store is, you know, take a chance on it. It's a good beer to have and, you know, make your friends really impressed with you that, wow, this isn't, uh, this isn't a domestic. You can look like you really know what you're doing. Not that you don't already. And now a message from our sponsor, Eternal Security Unlimited. Friends, are you worried about having to pay for your sins with a long stay in purgatory? Or worse, an eternal stay in hell? Well, we at Eternal Security Unlimited suggest you invest in appropriate insurance. The Gospel of John explains the coverage. Simply believe that Jesus Christ offers eternal life through belief in Him, and you will spend an eternity in the presence of God. That's it. No long forms, no red tapes, just belief. So check out the Gospel of John wherever Bibles are found near you. And read John 3.16 and John 3.17. For full details, no salesman will call. Well, you may be visited by the Holy Spirit, but you'll be happy that you did. The reason for this podcast is really, I think, for maybe I'm speaking for us, Mark, but you know, it's it comes out of a a a lot of years, many years of pain, of not knowing because of bad theology equals bad actions, and that's a theme that you'll kind of come you'll you'll understand from this podcast is that we talk about that a lot. But it really, it affects people, and it affects how we live, how we view God, and I never forgot, it was, a, I was in uh, southern Illinois, I was, <laughs> I was trying to date this girl, and <laughs> that always starts with that, I don't know why, <laughs> and uh, it was in my college years, and so I went to visit her, and she was, uh, it was a general Baptist, I, I don't know if all general Baptists are like this, um, I had never heard of it, but I, I guess it's it is a thing. So uh, as I was sitting there, they had just gotten back from camp, and kids were giving their testimonies. And one of the kids said, "I just got saved again." Wow! And the pastor, the youth pastor, kind of stepped in, like, "Oh, oh, oh, oh uh, you know," and corrected him. And I, I thought, "No, no, 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 no." He, you know, years later, I, I thought he understood the theology. 
and what it was and what it was saying that your salvation wasn't eternal. It was, oh, I sinned, I fell away, I got to get resaved again. And this is something that, you know, it's really unfortunate that uh, theology today really that is the practice of it. That is the fruits of it. That's what it does. And, you know, I have here uh, John 6, uh, 47, which says, most, assur- most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me has eternal life. All right, when does eternal life start? The moment you believe. And it goes on. And people will say, oh, you got to get baptized. Oh, you got to join a church. Oh, you you have to do yeah you, you have I love this you know it's like you got to be you got to give something up to be saved and I'm like when I well you know when I read John six forty seven it, it doesn't say anything about that when I read John three sixteen it doesn't say oh if I give this up then Jesus will let me in the club you know that's 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 not it again that that's theology that's in in a lot of ways. It's like Christian theology sometimes today, it's like it's a, being a Pharisee, preventing people from knowing God and just trying to get people into a Christian culture. Um, what do you think? I think it's really sad is what I think because, you know, one of the, one of the big questions, everybody, I don't care who you are, atheist, agnostic, whatever, one of the big questions that you deal with is how do you know for sure you're going to go to heaven? Right. Yeah. So you look at all these churches and all these different theologies out there, and uh, boy, oh boy, it makes your head spin. You know, even for people who identify as Christians, Mm -hmm. some are confused. You know, know, me personally, I believed in Christ as my Savior since I was 13 years old, but it wasn't until just a few years ago that I actually became certain that I'd go to heaven. Yeah, it's mostly because. There's just so many confusing and contradictory messages that you hear. And the vast majority of those messages, you know, will state something like, you know, you got to believe in Jesus as Messiah, but that's not enough to get you into heaven, right? right. You got to have some kind of works or yep. something to prove that you really, really, really believe in your heart or yep. some some other kind of comment like that. But then, you know, you have to wonder what, what kind of works, you know, how many works is enough? How do we ever know? And for me, the confusion got so bad that I pretty much just walked away from the whole thing for about 30 years. But thank God a few years ago, some friends of mine finally proved to me through scripture that our entrance to heaven is through belief in Jesus alone. That's it. And not works or some combination of belief and works. And so now I know for sure that, you know, God set aside a place for me in heaven, but I worry about folks out there who are just confused because they hear all all that other stuff. Yeah, and they think that this is what Christianity is, yeah. unfortunately. And that's it, it, it isn't that because Scripture is just going to, if you put your theology, if you try to force it into the Bible, you can make it say anything. And and that was when I was in my seminary days. That was one of the hard realities that I, I understood was that uh, I I can make this say whatever I want, you know, depending on my slant or whatever. And that's yes, that's being dishonest, but that's also like 
it, you know, we call it dialing up a verse. You right. know? It's like, I got to speak on this topic. Let me just figure out what I can say. And pull it out of context out if of you context, have to. Make it, make it sound well, like whatever you want. Right? Yeah, yeah. And, you know, good good theology or good good preaching, I should say, is really what is the historical context? What would have meant to the people that heard it? Um, we The Bible is written... Uh, it, it it is it was written to them, the original hearers, but it is for us as well. However, though we do have to remember that it, it is for the original hearers. It does apply to us. It is good for it is for our benefit. However, though they would have understood it in, in a different way. Right. And so, if we try to take theology that is created, you know, several hundred years after the Bible was written, and try to force that into what it is now, now we're really going to mess some people up and that's uh look that's where you get the middle ages all right so, <laughs> i don't know uh, anyways um i i struggled with my eternal security most of my life because i i had just been fed so much bad theology and i was mortified a, a few years ago when i was doing a bible camp uh with uh, another church a church within the i guess um affiliation if you will and i i remember asking asking the guy i was like what do you think it means to get saved and he goes oh you got to repent uh commit and then believe and i thought oh really and he goes oh but what you guys are doing is fine for kids and i'm like whoa 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 whoa." and the the thing that horrifies me even more is i'm just gonna be honest this guy's gonna plant a church and this is what he's saying and, and he's going to go out and screw up a bunch of people, yeah, yeah, just and, based on his misunderstanding of right. of the situation. It is, and and it's unfortunate that that happens. But that is also the reason why this podcast exists, because we we just want people to know that God's grace has no strings attached. Right. It is just simply believe. Period. Right. That's it. You don't have to look. When I believed, when I was six years old. I didn't know what God was. I I knew God, but I didn't know. You know what I mean? It, it's like I don't know. I don't have the ability to understand all these things, you know. And that's where some people get into, you know, the weeds where they go, "Well, you got to know He's the Son of God." Well, how do you explain that? <laughs> you know, uh, well, you got to know that uh, it's the Trinity. Uh, how do you explain that to a little kid? You don't, you know. So uh, I have here John chapter twenty, verse thirty and thirty-one. It says. Uh, and truly, Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you may have life in his name. He couldn't, John couldn't just spell it out for you even more. You yeah, know? John didn't say, you know, believing, obeying, repenting. Uh, praying, baptizing, right. whatever, yeah. and you'll have eternal life, he said, yeah. believing, right? Just yeah, like yeah. John 3.16. Yeah, just like John 3.16, absolutely. And, you know, the context, you know, a lot of people, what they, the reason why they put repentance in there is because they go, oh, it's a change of mind. Right. And, and the problem is, is that that's not necessarily, that is true, that is what it means, but it always isn't, like, I guess, if you will, it's always connected to, uh, a, a change of direction or steps to a change of direction. So the 
if you will, the, uh, the prodigal son. He repented. Right. And what did he do? He took steps to come back to the father. So repentance is more along the lines of that. John doesn't use that in his gospel. Right. He does use it in Revelation a lot. Yeah. Uh, because it's, it's, the, the, the John's gospel is really more for people to know him which is why he, he says what he says there in John chapter 20. Exactly. Um, we said before, you know, you don't have to get baptized, and I know that's a hang-up for some people. And the reality is if you never get baptized, it, baptism is a good thing. It, show, it is a public profession of your faith, and a lot of people, I would encourage you to get baptized, but if you never get baptized, you're still going to heaven. It's right. not based on that, you know? Yeah, it's, it's important to understand the difference between salvation and discipleship. And I know we're going to talk about that in the podcast, yeah. I think in a couple of weeks. Um, but one thing you have to understand is that all those other things that seem to be so important to a lot of, uh, a lot of religious groups, a lot of uh, denominations, you know, like joining a church and baptism and, and all that, they are important. Yeah. I mean, we're not saying they're not important, they're just not important for your salvation. They're important for your growth. Yeah, um, you know, for for how who you're going to become now that you're a child of God. Uh, but they're not necessary for you to become a child of God for you to obtain your salvation. Absolutely, and that's I think. Unfortunately, we get people. We church is a good thing, but church can also be a bad thing. And depending on what your theology is, the theology of the church, and you have to be careful about that and, and what churches you go to. That's why, you know, when I would I always recommend to people, like, look, go on to a church and what they believe, you know, that, that statement of faith, and they'll let you know exactly where they land on, on things. And that will let you know, hey, maybe I, I don't need to go there. So be, be wise. Yeah, and I'll go one step further, you know, um, Ten or so years ago, when I finally got things straight in my own head um, about who God was and what God wanted, um, I went out and looked at the uh, statements that are on the websites of different churches as a way to try to determine which one to go to. And there are a lot of them that are really sneaky. Oh, yeah. I mean, you read that whole thing, and you have no idea what they stand for. Nothing. Those are the guys I run away from. (laughs) (laughs) One of the things... Well, it's a statement of faith that I, I don't know if it's still there. However, the, one of the big mega churches that has many, you know, satellite churches in the Austin area, their statement of faith back a few years ago was salvation is a mystery. Mm. I, I, I don't know how you can say that other than your theology is saying that, that it is. Well, we don't. How can you know if you're really saved? Oh, we don't know. It's just a, such a cop out. You know, <laughs> it's like, do you not? Did you? Did you just not even bother to read John three sixteen? Yeah, is that or just, any part of John yeah, for that matter? Right. You know, I, I mean, I understand. There's something like a hundred and eighty verses in the in the New Testament that say that salvation is by belief in Jesus alone. Yeah, and you might find one or two that sound like they're contradictory. But you got to kind of weigh that, right? I mean, you pull stuff out of context again. You've got all this, all this evidence where the Bible says over and over and over again that salvation is by belief in Christ alone. And you find one or two things. What are you going to do? You're going to throw out all, you know, 100 and whatever it is, 80 of those others. And for yeah. the two that you don't 
really understand because you probably just haven't read it right yet mm-hmm. or you haven't read it in a proper context. Yeah, and look, there, there. You know, I remember just going to my pastor. I was in uh, Bible college, and I was home, and I remember showing him like Hebrews six, <laughs> and uh, hmm. I thought uh, I'm definitely going to hell now. <laughs> and I remember showing him that, and it was the best advice that I didn't understand at the time. And he said, "Dan, why are you basing your eternal security, your salvation?" on a passage that is very confusing. Yeah, see, Hebrews 6 is one of those uh, one of those passages for me, too, because I had a pastor use that, and that's part of the reason I walked away for 30 years, because he used that to convince me that I had lost my salvation and I could never get it back. Yeah. And that's not what that means at all. No. no. <laughs> but yeah. in the wrong hands, man, that thing's an Uzi, right? I mean, they'll blow holes in you. Absolutely, and and... Really, when you look at the scope of the Bible and you look at the stories of the people, everybody's a little bit messed up in a lot of ways. Elijah was depressed. Um, he was a guy that, I mean, he was so high, and then he was went low to when he wanted God to kill him. And, of course, you know, you bring up David, you bring up, I mean, Solomon. I mean, the guy, there wasn't a woman that he didn't want to have, you right. know, and... He was the wisest guy in the world. Well, maybe. So uh, <laughs> I might argue with that. <laughs> yeah, no kidding, no kidding, yeah. I mean, you just look at their lives. They're not perfect people. And this idea that you need to, as they say, quote-unquote, persevere to the end uh, in order to prove that you were truly worth it is ridiculous because the Bible doesn't even back that up. Correct. That's just theology, trying to be force-fed into it and... Look, if you have to be a Christian in order to become a Christian, then there's something messed up with that. Because <laughs> that's, not, that's not what Jesus says at all. So that's the reason why the sanctuary exists, because you know, we're here to let you know that it is faith alone in Christ alone, period. Nothing more, nothing less. Um, that's, that's all. That's all you need to know. That's all you need to know. The thing is, Scripture is never going to disagree with Scripture. So... It, if you have a verse that's going to disagree with John 3.16, then maybe there is some context to it that you need to look into. Right. Maybe there's something more. Uh, if Scripture did disagree with Scripture, then we got a pro- another series of problems on our hands. So when, I think it's uh, Acts chapter 16, verse 30 and 31, where the guy, the Philippian jailer, says, what must I do to be saved? And he says, believe in Jesus. Okay, well, where's the baptism in there? No. Uh, where, where's the church membership there? Where's the... <laughs> where's the uh, 12 weeks of training? Right, right. Where, where, where's the 10% of your, you know, your tithe? Where is that in there? Yep. Oh, it's not in there. You know, I remember someone telling me, you know, it was this church that was across from the Bible college that I went to, and they had 12 steps to get saved. And I thought, <laughs> how in the world? Hey, that's, we should have that in the booze in the Bible, right? <laughs> yeah. The 12-step program. Yeah, the 12-step program there. Uh, you just do these 12 steps, and you'll get saved. Oh, golly gee, Whitakers, thank you so much. You know? <laughs> oh, man. No, just believe in Jesus. That's what Jesus says here in John six forty seven. It's consistent throughout the Bible. The other passages, they have a, something called a context. 
And we can unravel those and talk about that. And there is an accountability system that uh, the Bible has for us. However, we'll get into that in a couple of weeks. It's important to know if you believed in Jesus, you're saved. And once you're saved, you're always saved. Right. Even if you, quote unquote, stop believing, uh-oh, if you do, doesn't matter. You're still in the club because eternal life starts the moment you believe. Nothing else to say. That's that's it. So and to paraphrase that old Monty Python routine, you know, about the crunchy frog. Are there bones in there? Well, of course there are bones in it. It wouldn't be crunchy otherwise. Well, how could it be eternal life if it isn't eternal? Right, right. It wouldn't make <laughs> it wouldn't, much sense. It would not make any sense. Right, right. Well, I look forward, Dan, to a lot of conversations about different topics on, on this same yeah. this same basic subject over uh, over the next years, and uh, I hope that our listeners uh, will tune in for our uh, completely unprofessional beer <laughs> reviews, right? <laughs> and, yeah. our, and our hopefully enlightened uh, Bible discussions. Yeah, absolutely. I hope so too. And um, hey, thanks for listening, folks. Please remember to rate, review, and subscribe. Uh, next week, we'll be talking about. Is drinking alcohol a sin? As we have a podcast called Booze in the Bible. I think it's ironic there. But uh, hey, um, we're just remember, we're not saved because we're eternally faithful to the Savior. We're saved because He is eternally faithful to us.